We all want life to be the best it can. We all have dreams, but it's easy to be discouraged and frustrated when something doesn't work out. That's when you need to keep on pushing. Well, no one knows more about pushing through than Devin Harris. Devin is a three-time Olympian and captain of the Jamaican bobsled team. If that isn't an obstacle, nothing is. Devin will show you how to pursue your big dreams, bounce back from setbacks, and keep on pushing. You'll be challenged and inspired to live your best life. Welcome to Keep On Pushing Radio. Here's your host, Devin Harris. Hey guys, Harris. welcome to Keep On Pushing Radio. I am your host, Devin Harris. And as always, what we do is that we share ideas and insights that are going to challenge you and inspire you to keep on pushing and live your absolute best life. So, you know, look, I'm guessing you're interested in that, you know, even remotely. And if you are, I assure you, you're in the right place. So again, welcome to Keep On Pushing Radio. Our guest today has had quite an eclectic career. She is a former model and actress, formerly a co-host of a syndicated morning radio show with ABC Networks, ABC Radio Networks. She's an author. She has authored nine books. Makes me feel like a slacker. Uh, you know, her works include the ABCs of intimacy and balancing love and life. She's an international speaker who has also graced the TEDx stage, sharing her truth on some of life's uh, pretty challenging topics. She's, a cer she's certified by the American College of Sexology and calls herself an entomologist. And I'll have her explain that to you. They call her Dr. Kat Smith, and I am excited uh, to be able to chat with her and welcome her to, to the show. So Kat, welcome to Keep On Pushing. Thank you, Devin. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's, it's, great, it's great to have you. So, so talk to us, uh, Kat. I know you're from New Orleans, one of 12 kids. I have your beat there, finally. Um, yeah. um, you know, what were those early years like for you? Well, you know, my mom couldn't give one child any more attention than another. So, I mean, there was constantly a juggling around of kids and also just, you know, um, the feeling of um, trying to challenge for her attention, right? Um, when you have so many kids, you know, it's kind of hard to kind of pay attention to just one at any given time. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I had my grandmother in my life as well, so she was able to fill in where my mother left off and she imparted to me a lot of very valuable things just you know everyday um values you know mm -hmm. uh, value of money for instance a lot of kids are not taught the value of money they just want that candy bar <laughs> or, or that toy and they don't yeah. understand you know, the value of money um, and um, just how to be thrifty and how to, to really shop and, and how to cook and grow things and care for nature. So she was an amazing woman. So, yeah. I had a so good is that where you think you got your sense of compassion from, from your grandmother? Yes, I really do. Um, I'll, I'll tell you something, you know, a lot of the news right now focuses on mothers and children and, and um, all of that. And I still, I have a challenge with the focus of, um, you know, women and pregnancy and all of that, 
because there was such a negative thing whenever a woman got pregnant. Um, instead of it being a joyous occasion and, and people going, oh, congratulations, I always have to pause and say, okay, is this a good thing or is mm. this not a good thing? Because, you know, you, know, you don't want to walk up to somebody and they're, they're stressed out about it. So, um, yeah, I, have a, I still have that, that I walk that fine line around, you know, pregnant women or, you know, women with children, because I don't have any. And mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of, it's a, it's a different world for me. But, you know, in my work, I understand that intimacy begins at infancy and how you nurture and, and develop a close, intimate connection with another human being is something that I can uh, actually bring into that focus um, when I'm starting to feel like, whoa, wait, this is outside of my scope. But then I can pull myself back in because, oh, well, this is still creating an, a deep, intimate connection with a human being. Yeah. The, um, was that a conscious decision not to have children? Or is just one of those things that happened for you? It, it was a, uh, it was, you know, tradition teaches us that this is the path a woman should take. You should want to mm -hmm. have kids and that's what you do. You're made, you know, made for that. And I used to think that I was going to have a son. I was going to put the order in. Okay. He was going to be a boy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as I got older and as I started working through my challenges or, or, you know, what I had to deal with, with my own growth and healing, I uh, realized that that probably wasn't the best decision for me to, mm -hmm. to be a mother. I had to make sure that I was in a space where I could nurture um, a child and not be overprotective or, 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 or overbearing, you right. know, in certain right. situations. Um, you know, and on, on, on that note, you, know, you spoke you know, kind of lovingly of your grandmother and the tremendous influence that she has had on you and how she brought, you know, for, you know, perhaps some stability and some direction in your life. But we know, so you, we know you also had a rather challenging uh, childhood. You were molested from age nine to 13. Um, how were you able, Kat, uh, to work your way through and survive that trauma during that time? Um. You know, it's, it's funny that a child's mind doesn't, it, you have a sense because your intuition and just your natural human instinct tells you that something is not right, but you, we're taught to obey adults. So in my, you know, following the guidelines of this person that was molesting me, I still had that instinct to say, no, this is wrong. And I, I told, it's, it was my mother's husband. And I told her what was happening to me at night when she was asleep. And um, she never did anything. And uh, in her recent passing, she was still with her husband mm -hmm. all these years. So um, Why do you think yeah, it was neglected to act. You know what, it's, she has 12 children by 10 different men. So um, trying to make sure they were fed and clothed and cared for and, uh, sh you know, sheltered. I think um, she had that as the main concern. So in, in my head, I've always felt that we were sacrificed for mm -hmm. 
the lifestyle, which was a very modest lifestyle. So, um, you know, and, and it's, it's, I don't know how her rationale uh, played it all out to, for her to make that decision. Mm-hmm. But when most people hear of any kind of threat or harm to their child, it's like they make a decision. No, this is not, a, you know, I'm not going to tolerate this. I got to put my children in a safer space. Yeah. And she, she neglected to do that. Um, I can't speak for her. And, and to this day, I don't know. The only thing I can, you know, so you just mentioned is, is that she passed recently. Um, what what was the I guess the state of your relationship at that time? Well, we were estranged. Um, mm-hmm. I had a sister that passed uh, about five years ago, and we were very close. She was just older than I am, and um, during that whole process of funeralizing her, my mom just got. I mean, she was just she was a very challenging person to be around anyway. And she got even nastier in, mm-hmm. in her responses and her communication. And I just finally, I'll be 59. Oh no, I'm 59 now. I'll be 60 next year. And I was like, you know what? I'm finally going to give myself permission to not be around you, to not take your abuse any longer. Um, over the years, she has done some things that I just, you know, finally had to decide, you know, okay. Yeah, yeah it's okay. Do, do you, and don't wish you any harm, but I have to, I have to, you know, worry about my own emotional and mental health. Mm-hmm. I speak about that all the time that sometimes, you know, even, you know, family members, especially, we have to find a way to love them from a distance. Um, yes. So well, you didn't reconcile with your with your mom and and her husband, uh, your molester. Um, did you ever confront him? And how was that? What what happened? What transpired when you did? Yes, I did uh, confront him. Uh, I actually, after I guess I was still in my twenties, I I sought counseling, and one of the steps in the procedure for healing was to confront the abuser. And so I did. And um, it wasn't really an apology of any sort or uh, making things right kind of thing from him. It was kind of still an accusation, like to Mm -hmm. blame me. Well, if I would have known, it would have caused you those kind of problems and I never would have done it. And I'm going, really? That's your response? Not a sorry, not um, can you forgive me, nothing. Mm -hmm. And so just understanding where they were mentally uh, and morally, um, I just had to make decisions for myself. Oh, about even before I got my doctorate, during therapy, I said I will never use therapy as a crutch. I never allowed my, uh, my patients also, my, anyone I counseled, right. no, don't use me as a crutch. If I'm not giving you the tools and information you can apply to your life to create healthy, loving, respectful, nurturing, caring relationships, then I'm not the counselor for you. you mm-hmm. I have to refer you to someone who can better assist you. And so I, I vowed to myself that I would never use therapy as a crutch. So I, I've, I read a lot and I did a lot of things to try to um, 
changed the way I, I viewed my, you know, I, I, there's this thing I called love perspective. And with that, that is a, uh, how we view love, sex, relationships, the opposite sex and things of that nature. And so, um, I said, okay, it's our life experiences. It's our, um, our culture, ethnicity, nationality, it's our gender, uh, religion, it's family, community, it's society, it's the media, it's so many things that, uh, that mold and shape what we believe about love and, and interacting with another human being. So I said, you know, I have to make my own path. I have to find my own truths because what was true for, for our parents is not necessarily true for people today. Yeah. So. I had to find my own truth. And that is, I think, key in anyone's healing and moving forward. Yeah, uh, interesting that, <clears throat> me, that you brought that up because um, you're right. The, the way we approach love and intimacy and relationships are impacted by all of those, I'm going to call them external stimuli, right? The mm -hmm. family you grew up in, the religion and the culture that you grew up in. Um, yeah. But talk to me, Carl, you know, and I think it's, it's uh, um, amazing that you're able to, um, for want of a better term, show your clients tough love, but it's, uh, I don't use your trauma and your experiences as a crutch. Uh, yeah. And you can speak uh, to that with congruency because you have, you have traveled down a very similar path as well. So uh, young girls, uh, they tend, when, when they have experienced sexual trauma early, they tend to go from, you know, like kind of one bad relationship to the next. Um, is that because they don't feel worthy? Um, you know, is it that they are looking for love in all the wrong places, as it were? Yes, I think, okay, so as a young girl, as a young person, we are trying to either emulate our parents or the people around us in a relationship. And we're trying to uh, navigate hormone changes and, and all of the stuff that's going on, okay? And so we want to be included. We want to be accepted. We want to be loved. We want to have that experience of having the boyfriend or the girlfriend. So we are impulsive first of all in our actions and then second of all if you're not given examples of healthy relationships you're gonna stumble around with it okay mm -hmm. so i my ex serial experiences with abuse not only was i molested as a child i was also um because I, I didn't give attention to the things that happened to me i went on to and i want to say i attracted these things because when you when you don't attend to it and you don't uh heal it or or, or understand it you go out there fumbling around in life and you can still have that energy of victimhood and you can attract those those predators that are out there looking for that weak person to mm. attack it and so i was that person i was living that that life and um i ended up being uh date raped a couple of times so it's it, it was like i had to say to myself okay i'm the least common denominator what kind of relationship or what kind of life do i want to live 
I had to create that vision of what I wanted my life to be like, what kind of interactions I wanted with men, what kind of friends I wanted to uh, surround myself with, the energy of um, the people that are around me. Because, you know, we can fall into traps. I, I say we talk ourselves into all kinds of stuff because women are told to be nice, mm -hmm. you know. And then the next thing you know, you're in a relationship with uh, friends or someone that, that is abusive. Even if it's as um, verbal abuse or physical abuse, mental, emotional abuse, and it could be financial abuse. So, you know, there's more than one way to be abused. So um, when you can identify who you are and what you're about and then what you need from other people, that is key to you being able to navigate your own thoughts and feelings and then know how you want to experience whatever you're experiencing with them and in mm -hmm. their spaces. It sounds to me uh, like you're talking about personal responsibility. You know, we find ourselves in situations all the time, and, and sure, there are things outside of our control, um, mm -hmm. but people will kind of yield to what life is throwing at them in, uh, instead of saying, hey, all of this stuff that's happening, you know, the least common denominator there is me. And, you know, chances are if I can change me and what I want, and you use a really powerful word, vision, if I can create a vision of what I want my life to be like, then I can find myself on a different path. Um, I'm not, first, maybe you can tell us how old you were when you kind of came to that realization or had that epiphany revelation and um secondly you know what was it you, do you think that that allowed you to start looking at yourself in a very critical way and, and to be more introspective i want to say was, i was about 28 years years of age and i had experienced all this stuff all this garbage mm -hmm. and it's kind of like you know when when you cultivate the garbage it's going to start stinking eventually. You got to get rid of it. You got to, you got to get it out of your life. Okay. And it's, it's like, I had to really, I have this quote that I always say, and I came up with when life is not working out, start within. So that's what I did. I started within, you know, how do I feel about myself? How do I, what are, what are my views about love and receiving love? It's not just giving love or asking for someone to love you or wanting someone to love you. Love is like that infinity symbol. It's like it's a, a continuous movement of something. If you put up walls, if you, you um, try to deceive or you try to manipulate or whatever, that energy is, is not going to flow to you. It's going to sometimes you know those crazy light shows where light is bouncing all off of everything that's kind of how the energy will be around you but if you if you can cultivate a, a self-love a self-worth self-confidence and self-value you can also open up for love to come to you and uh, you'll be able to give it back so it's kind of get that loop and it goes and it comes mm -hmm. in and, they say spiritually, when you change and you vibrate at a higher level, everything around you is going to change. That's why friends fall away. That's why uh, jobs change. I mean, because if you're really asking for 
assistance from higher powers, whatever you believe in. If you're saying that I have a goal for this kind of life, I have a vision that I want to live a certain way, and you put that out in the universe and the universe starts to work on it, then you, if you are continuing to grow and raise your vibrational level, then you will see that people fall away things fall away. Um, there's shifting and moving that because the universe is orchestrating all this goodness to come to you. But if you have all this junk in the way, it can't get to you. Indeed. So it's kind of yeah. like asking to win the lottery and you never buy a ticket. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 I so agree with you. you know, we, we talk all the time about the fact that thoughts are things. And I've been reading lately about the brain-heart coherence and how, uh, you know, first of all, our heart has an outsized function and role in our lives compared to how we normally think of it. And when we think a thought, the brain is saying to the heart, hey, go create these hormones and pump them throughout your body. And so your body now feels like this thought. And so if you're thinking of a higher vibrating thought, as you just mentioned, uh, you find yourself in a situation that's just not working out for you. So all this garbage that you're collecting, as you just mentioned, mm -hmm. and you start to think about a life without the garbage, then your brain yes. uh, creates that thought that tells your heart, hey, go pump those hormones. Let her body, let his body feel like a life with all, without all of that garbage. Um, so you're absolutely right there. Um, we're going to touch on intimacy um, in a little bit, Cat. Uh, but how do men, how do the boyfriends and the husbands of, uh, you know, women who experience sexual trauma, um, you know, and I'm talking now about these, these men who care for these women today, how do they help them to, I guess, make that transition from the trauma to intimacy? Well, first of all, I, I got to say that affection is key. You know, we hear a lot about women who say he only wants to get affectionate when he wants sex. Okay. He only wants to hold me when he wants sex. It, affection is a daily thing. I say no drive-by kissing, you know, no, you know, it's like you should hug and touch every day because then it's kind of like NLP, you're anchoring in those touches and that affection and letting that person know that you appreciate them for more than just sex. You, you, you love touching them. You love holding them and, and you just want to express, you know, uh, hey, you know, walk up behind them while they're at the island cutting up vegetables or whatever and just go behind them and just squeeze and, you know, kiss them on the neck and just say, I love you and just walk away. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, it's that all, it becomes usual and, and normal. And then it's, it's already set in, in place. But when you don't have that daily affection, it, it can cause you to, to feel uncomfortable when you do go in for, uh, to help them heal. So now that you've established this, this normal behavior of affection, then you, you can have the conversations. I would say that if, some, if you're with a woman who has been sexually assaulted, uh, raped, harassed, or whatever, um, there are going to be triggers. You can try to talk to her and find out what are some triggers that might cause you to react 
the opposite of, of, of loving and caring and, and, and safe, feeling safe. Um, so have those conversations. It's, it could be the tone of voice. You know, you got to think about if the harasser was saying certain things, you know, or the abuser was saying certain things. There's a tone of voice. It could be just uh, a, a way of uh, walking or just, it could be anything that can trigger a, a memory that um, was a traumatic thing mm -hmm. for them. But there's this thing called repeat exposure. So once you, you don't have to have these conversations for long because once they, they're able to communicate them and talk to, to you about them, then you, that all of that will subside. Because it's so true that uh, time does heal all wounds. You just gotta, you can't stuff it down inside. I tried that and it just, it kept bubbling up until I had to do something. So you have to address it. Don't, don't try to stuff it inside because it's, it's always going to be there. It's, it's, it's like on the cellular level, it's going to eventually come out. You, you have to address it. So talk with people you know, that you love and, and, and ask them, okay, what can I do to help? And they will tell you. And if they don't have an answer for you right then and there, just say, you know what, I'm here. When you're ready to talk, I'm here. You know, mm -hmm. and encourage them to come and sit on the sofa and just, sofa and just snuggle up against you and you just watch TV or, you know, just make them feel safe and that, that it's okay to talk about any and everything. Indeed. So, uh, Kai, tell us, how did you make that journey from the runway to the work that you're doing now? You know, it was easy to be somewhere else, someone else when I, you know, during those times of, because I started at 17, modeling at 17. And um, I got out about, I want to say 31, 32. I, I got out of that. Um, then I, I was auditioned. I was doing, I started in, in fashion and then I started doing commercials and voiceovers and things of that nature. And I got auditioned for the radio show. And, uh, and I didn't even know I was being auditioned. <laughs> it just kind of happened. And yeah. uh, I ended up transitioning into that. Mm. So um, you describe yourself as an entomologist, not to be confused with an entomologist. Uh, um, so first of all, what does that mean? Who is an entomologist? And um, yeah, well, you just answered how you made, how did you make that transition? So, so talk to us about, you know, what you do as an entomologist. Yeah, an entomologist is an intimacy expert. And I kind of coined that phrase because um, I always tell people that the entomologist is a bug expert, even though I can bug the hell out of some people. <laughs> not, I'm not good with the bugs, but right. I'm an intimacy expert. And my transition from um, just uh, working on myself to getting my doctorate and, and helping other people uh, to heal and overcome their traumatic uh, experiences. I just I felt that this was the, the right term because a lot of people think intimacy and sex are the same thing and they are mm -hmm. so far from, <laughs> uh, that's not a, a true statement, should I say. Intimacy, like I have in the book, ABCs of Intimacy, it is so many more things. I have what I call an intimacy wheel that I work with, and it's, it's love, it's trust, it's care, it's, it's nurturing, it's, it's respect, it's, it's, it's passion, 
it's communication. It's, it's, it's so many more things. When a person feels like you have them, that you've got them, and I mean, you can be in the same room and you can just look at each other and almost know what each other are thinking. It's, it's that deeper connection. Because you can love someone, but you, you know, really can't stand them because they're not giving you the, that space to really connect deeply with them. Mm-hmm. Intimacy encourages that, um, like you were mentioning, those hormones, those, those the oxytocin and that serotonin that, and that dopamine that just flow through your body uh, naturally without you having to uh, do something different. It's like you, you, you feel like you're an addict when you're away from that person because you're not getting those, you know, mm-hmm. those hormones flowing as easily. So it's when you have a deep, intimate connection with someone, you have better sex you have that uh, desire to be more physical with them and you know the relationship moves along swimmingly it's like you don't have to work as hard but you have to make sure you are being true to who you are and what you need from them and be able to express what you need in a relationship and and what you need from them at any time and uh, and if they're not giving you what what um, are you if they're not getting what they need from you, they need to communicate as well to you so that you can improve how you interact with them. Mm-hmm. So you say you don't have when when there's you know a high level of intimacy, you don't have to work that hard, but I assume you have to work on getting that deep level of intimacy. Yes, you do because um, like communication, it's like you supposed to speak speak lovingly to each other. Um, it, a lot of times we're so stressed. And I, of course, when you think about today with COVID and, mm-hmm. and everything that's going on and you know, shut down and working from home and trying to treat, you know, do the kids' schoolwork and just all this stuff, you can be stressed and you can get on each other's nerves, <laughs> right? Yeah. So how do you navigate that when you haven't worked on the relationship it can, you know, it can kill a relationship if you don't have that understanding from each other and that, uh, you know, complete communication and understanding and, and the patience and the, the desire to nurture and support and, and, and respect and all of those things. You know, when you don't have that, it, those other things can chip away at the, the strength of the relationship. I always say that intimacy is the foundation that your house of love stands on. If you don't have all the ingredients that an intimate relationship requires, you're going to have some shifting and that, that house is not going to stand solid. Yeah. You, you use the word love just now and you use it earlier as well. Uh, so if I could channel my inner Tina Turner, my question would be, what's love got to do with it? What does love have to do with intimacy? Love is, it's, it's, the, it's a core component because if you don't have some kind of feeling for someone, you don't want uh, to develop a deeper intimate connection, connection mm-hmm. with them. You might want to have sex, but that's physical and it lasts about seven minutes and then you can like escape, <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know? Oh, I gotta go to work tomorrow. Okay, all right, it's great. I'll see you later. <laughs> and, um, but if you really want to have that person in your life and grow and, and, and expand, um, what you have more than just a one night stand, you have to work at it. You have to, um, 
you know, have the conversations. You have to engage with them in ways in, that you kind of know how they think or what they think about. Or, um, I came up with a game called Intimate Foreplay, and it's a card game that helps couples to have a conversation or dialogue on a deeper level. It asks questions that get you, you know, so what did you learn about love from your parents? Um, and then that question leads to another question or another conversation. And so you get to really know them. A lot of times we, again, we talk ourselves into relationships. Oh, he's fine. That's my baby daddy and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. We talk about all this stuff, but then it's like, yeah, you're in bed and he's like, what was your name again? You know, it's kind of like it's an afterthought to get to know that person and see where the relationship is going to go. Um, and I'm look, I'm not a prude. I, if sex is all you want, have at it. But just know that if you're trying to develop a relationship or find someone that's going to um, be in your life for longer than, you know, just a booty call. Mm -hmm. Then you, yeah, you have to put in some work, have the conversations, spend the time, invest in the relationship. We spend more time watching, you know, Game of Thrones and, and Scandal and whatever shows that are popular these days than we do with uh, worrying about our relationship. So um, I, I know you're, you're talking about the fact that you need to improve communication and, uh, you know, really listen to what the other person wants, uh, trying to meet those needs and express your needs. It, so a couple who is having issues with intimacy, is that where they start then? Yeah, I mean, it, okay, so again, intimacy is, is communication. It's, it's, it's find out what they're passionate about. Okay, I'll give it, I'll, I'll explain it this way. Ask them what's their definition of affection? What's their definition of intimacy? Mm -hmm. Those are two key uh, terms that you can investigate. And then that way, you, by their answers, you can take and you can ask more questions. And he goes, well, am I giving you an, enough affection? Or do, I, do you need more affection for me? Do you, you know, um, I would like you to be more affectionate. You know? Uh, intimacy is to me is is this intimacy what is intimacy to you um are you enjoying our sex life you know and because that mm -hmm. people always want to talk about the sex life so i always kind of throw that in there but what right. are you passionate about in your work in your in home life what are your what are your goals for the family what are your goals for us you know what do you like about traveling what do you where do you want to go how who did you think you were going to be when you were 17? You know, th these questions kind of get you in the head and the mindset of the person. And as we, as we grow and we evolve, we're changing. So those questions don't get old. It's like, yeah, 17, the answer at 17, what they want it to be. Yeah, that answer will be the same. But now that they're 27 or 37 or 47, their views on life has changed. It's, it's changed because they've learned a lot of different things. They've experienced a lot of different things. They've been so many different titles and, and had so many labels. So they've changed. So having those conversations is just, you know, because we're, we're different people at any given time. Mm -hmm. So you can still have those conversations and, and really get to know the person that you're with. And, you know, I, I was talking about the song Escape, and everybody calls it the Pina Colada song. And, yeah, it's like 
when you're in a relationship and you don't know the person likes to, you know, walk on the beach and uh, pina coladas and, and, you know, they're not into yoga and all this stuff in the song is just, yeah, it's yeah, perfect. That, that was the same person he was married to, right? Yeah, you know, so if you can be with the person for a long period of time and then not know that they have certain things, and I had that experience seven years into my relationship, which is now about 18 years, um, I didn't know that my husband loved sushi. And I was going off, you know, I had my sushi buddy that I'd have sushi with because right. I couldn't find anybody that liked sushi the way I did. And um, one day he was like, God, I really would love some sushi. And he goes, you eat sushi? And I said, yeah, I love sushi. He goes, I love sushi. And we're like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So now we have a sushi date night. And, um, and, and it was, it's been wonderful. But, you know, seven years and I didn't know. Because I was at everybody else I asked me, oh, I don't eat no raw fish, yeah, yuck, you yeah, know. Exactly. Like, Man, I love it, you know. <laughs> but, you know, so it's we can't fall into those traps, but we have to have the conversations. Yeah. So you mentioned COVID nineteen earlier, and you know, we are living in this crazy time right now. There's so many issues going on. But one of the things that floored me, Kat, when I heard that and um Maybe I shouldn't have been surprised, um, but you know there was a significant rise in the incidence of domestic violence and sexual abuse. Um, and you know, obviously, uh, you know, my thinking as I was thinking about us connecting today to talk uh, was that there's a when you have that kind of abuse at any level, quite frankly, there's a decided lack of intimacy. Um, and, and perhaps, you know, this is a back end, it's not time to solve this, but how do we cultivate, I want to say, this sense, um, sense of intimacy? How do we cultivate this in young men and young women as they're growing up to, I guess, reduce the chances of domestic violence and um, sexual trauma? I think we really have to talk to our kids. I, I think we expect school to give them all the tools they need to be um, conscious individuals. Um, boys from the age of four and on are taught to not cultivate their emotional side. Um, they're um, criticized for being weak or, you know, they called all kinds of, you know, names, you know, uh, their, their feminine side is, is really capped off. They don't, you know, you see men who get angry and they will punch a wall if they're feeling any emotions that they're, you know, they're afraid of. They don't, most men don't know how to deal. That's why when a woman starts to cry, they're like, okay, whatever you want, give it here, here. <laughs> don't cry, don't cry. You know, because it's, it's emotions that they don't understand. Um, we don't allow boys to develop emotionally, which impedes their empathy for, you know, what someone else is going through. Um, not saying that all men don't feel. What I'm saying is if men can uh, allow to be whole and embrace their emotional selves, then they would understand those, those the feelings of uh, taking advantage of someone else or abusing someone else because they 
they understand it from a different perspective. If you're, if you always been suppressing emotions, you're not, you don't really know. It's like wanting to be in love, but you never felt love before. You know, even from parents. I mean, you can still get a sense of what love is from family, you know, sibling love and, and, and love from your parents. You know what mm -hmm. that feels like. But in a relationship, if you, if you have fear that that person is going to leave you and you result, resort to abuse to control them and, you know, or make them feel like they're not worth anything to anyone else. So you got to stay with me kind of thing or um, financially abuse them, like, you know, keep them from going out and spending any money because you don't want them to look better or look good to anybody else or, yeah. or, or just mentally uh, tearing them down emotionally, you know, dragging them down and making them feel bad. And it's, it's, it's fear. It's, um, it's manipulation. Sometimes it's narcissism. Um, it's, it's not knowing any different when they come out, when a person is grows up in a, a, a space of, of abuse and neglect and, and, uh, just violence it's like they it's it's hard to break that cycle right, that's all they know and it's just handed down yes 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 i mean because I, I it's generational things in my yeah. family that i watched and and that's why i say you gotta go back and you gotta look within and find your own truth because what's true for the family down the street or your aunts and uncles is not your truth. You have to investigate that and find what your truth is. Mm, yeah. The other thing that's uh, dominating um, our world today, you know, there's COVID and then there is, uh, you know, all the, the protests that are happening around the country, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests because of, uh, as, as we know, the indiscriminate. I want to call it indiscriminate killing of especially unarmed black men. Um, a while back, I read uh, an article where this, this woman, black woman, she's married to a white guy who she totally adores and who adores her. He has her back. She has, he, ha he has her back. She has his back. Um, he is equally as outraged about what's going on. But in, her, in this article, this letter that she wrote, she said, hey, I need to go hang out with my black friends, my black girlfriends, um, because I guess the pain that she's feeling, it's, she recognized that it is as loving and as supportive as her husband it is, it's difficult for him to truly connect with her pain. And so the question I have for you, because I know you're also uh, in an interracial marriage, what advice do you have for, for people? How do they love through Black Lives Matter? How, how do these Black Lives Matter times, how do they keep that intimacy and continue to love? Well, it's funny because I just did a video on this, um, <laughs> loving through, you know, these challenging times. And the main thing I can say is that, you know, love has no color. And when you can find someone that is supportive and nurturing and, and caring and loving, and they, they're walking beside you and the good and the bad and whatever, you know what? Pain is pain. You know, love is love. It, we have to get past the, the, 
yeah, and I mean, there is that truth to what she's saying because you need to be able to uh, commiserate in, you know, with your girls. But what if your girls were diverse? You know, if, what if they're Hispanic, they're white, they're uh, Cuban, they're, you know, they're, yeah, there's all these different Indian, uh, Chinese. What if they're diverse? You think they don't understand the pain that you're going through? Yes, they understand the pain. You can explain more of it. Just like you want to hang with your girls and, and say what, you know, how you feel. I say what I feel around my husband. I do, and it's hard times you go, oh Lord. <laughs> yeah. Oh, please, Ken, watch your mouth. You know? <laughs> I, you know, it's just kind of a thing where I'm I'm pretty straightforward. You know, I'm not gonna, you know, fluff it up for you. I I, I gotta and we're all adults here, you know. I say what's what's real, you know, I'm not gonna um fancy use fancy words to just describe that this is bull. You know, it's, yeah. it's not right. And, and we all are human beings. We all bleed, you know, and it's like when I go and give blood on a, a regular basis, are you going to, you know, not accept the blood on your deathbed because you got to ask, Oh, is that black blood or is that white blood? Or, <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, you know, this is, there's a time when you have to say, am I part of the solution or part of the problem? And if you can't be with your husband and talk to him about what you're feeling, how you're feeling and, and make him feel, I mean, sometimes he'll go, he'll just exhale really hard. Like, Oh man, she is wearing me. <laughs> she is beating me up. Mm -hmm. And I just go, and I say, well, what was that? What, what did you just expel right there? You know, tell me how you're feeling. How are you receiving what I'm sharing with you? Because you gotta, I want him to hear it. I want him to, process it. I want him to understand it. And then I want him to feel it. Like you said, right. the heart has to be involved. And when we don't uh, go through that process of uh, communicating and having the dialogue, if we can't have it at home, we are going to struggle having it out there. I don't care if it is in a, a group of black people, you know, or a, one white person. A lot of times I feel like I'm the only black per person in the room. And sometimes he feels like he's the only white person in the room, but we understand, okay, let's, let me help you feel more comfortable. I'm going to introduce you to some people. You have some conversations and I'm going to go over here. And, and, you know, it's, it's kind of like that. You, you, you help them to understand. And then with that understanding, they can go. And when they're having conversations with someone else who don't understand, he goes, well, you know, my wife says it like this. And that made me understand. Right. You know, and, mm -hmm. it's, and then they become a voice for, you know, the effort, you know. Yeah. So, you know, Kat, this has been enlightening. This is not a subject that I, I'm certainly not an expert on. I don't, I wouldn't describe myself as such. It's not a subject that I expound on very often. And I want to suspect that vast majority of people don't discuss intimacy in, in the way that, and with the depth that you, we just finished discussing it. So I want to thank you for, for sharing those ideas with us now. If I know you're a speaker, and so if someone wanted to have you come 
you know, speak when things are all open up or maybe virtually? How do they find you, Kat? Oh, everything is on my website at drkatsmith.com. That's D-R-K-A-T-S-M-I-T-H.com. Drkatsmith.com. And you just mentioned that you, um, you recently did a video on, you know, I guess interracial love during the Black, Times, Black Lives Matter times. Uh, is that on YouTube? Yes. Um, if they go to drcatsmith.com, they can click on Resilient Living TV, and that's my show. And uh, you can see all of my, my uh, videos there, and you can watch mm -hmm. them on YouTube and connect it from there. Awesome. So Resilience Living TV on YouTube is where you find Dr. Cat Smith or uh, drcatsmith.com. Resilience Living TV is such a fitting uh, name, term for, uh, to describe your life, you know, starting out in a really kind of challenging environment and look at you rising like the phoenix cat. So um, really epitomizes this keep on pushing philosophy, you know, pushing through your challenges, um, you know, being introspective, learning how to, and figuring out how to grow and to continue to inspire others to do the same as well. So we thank you for um, spending time with us, sharing your, your experiences, yes, and your wisdom. Thanks. Thank you.